Congratulations to all the lucky mothers in the Central Florida area who were given tickets to the big Justin Timberlake concert this evening. My loving wife was one of those lucky mothers, so tonight we will go see Justin Timberlake and the Tennessee Kids. That's the name of his backup band. It's also the name of his fan club, which I may or may not be a member of. It's been a minute since we've seen JT. The last time was with Jay-Z in Mia Me for that 2020 Experience Magna Carta tour. This time, the show's in Orlando. There we will go, where we've got a sweet little hotel room via Hotels Tonight. Not a paid spot, just a great way to grab a last-minute hotel room on your cell phone. Before I check in, though, I want to talk about a man of the woods crying, rivers, and my mirror, because I just can't stop the feeling that we've got to start joshing around. I can hear you roll your eyes as I become a fanboy and get all stand for Justin, but please know, among my generation, Justin Timberlake is one of the few lasting storied artists that we have. He got his start on Star Search and the all-new Mickey Mouse Club in the early 90s. From there, you know the rest. He jumped to NSYNC before releasing a Grammy Award-winning solo album, Justified. I wasn't on board in the beginning, not until a friend of mine who was producing music for the Wu-Tang Clan at the time said, Have you heard Justin Timberlake's new album? Justified is legit. The album has other bona fides as well. The hit single, Cry Me a River, is considered by Rolling Stone to be one of the 500 greatest songs of all time. It was further cited by Marilyn Manson as one of the main songs that influenced him. Say what? You know I use Wikipedia a lot. It's rare I have to check their sources, but here I did. Interviewed by Rolling Stone in May of 2015, Marilyn Manson says he was influenced by David Bowie, The Doors, Johnny Cash, N.W.A., and Justin Timberlake. Of Justin Timberlake, he says people underestimate what a badass he can be. Most big cities around the world are built on rivers or some other port of call, even if it's just a lake. I went searching for examples where this wasn't true and the internet was ripe with them. However, most of those examples were wrong. I saw it suggested numerous places that Indianapolis fits the bill. However, the White River runs through it. That said, Indianapolis is a 19th century example of planned urban development. Birmingham, Alabama fits the bill. It was founded right after the Civil War when they merged three farming towns together so that they could have access to cheap Irish and Italian labor because the English gentry doesn't like to pay very much. You're listening to Ambient Noise on Anchor. .fm. The biggest city I could find worldwide located on seemingly no water at all is Mexico City. But keep in mind, I'm the spoiled child of history. I think everything I just learned about is new, and I take everything for granted. So you might already know that Mexico City used to be the Aztecan city of Tenochtitlan, located in the middle of Lake Texcoco. That's right, the Aztecs, even 700 years ago, figured out how to make this island exist through a series of dams. But after Cortez attacked in the 1500s, he smashed all the dams and the lake disappeared. But before you blame man, it's said that Lake Texcoco has disappeared and reappeared 10 times or more over the past 30,000 years. So, with that in mind, Mexico City might just be swallowed up by a big lake again, and that wouldn't be man's damn fault at all. Even with the Grammy Awards and the popularity of NSYNC, Justin Timberlake wouldn't become a household name until after the Super Bowl of 2004 when a wardrobe malfunction would come to be known as Nipplegate. 
but it seems of this MTV-produced halftime performance, it was a little more scripted than we were led to believe. In fact, 14 years later, it's come to light that that week, Janet's stylist was out shopping for that sun nipple ring we all happened to see, and Miss Jackson hired an Ecuadorian tailor to modify the breasts of her leather blouse. When questioned about the alterations, the Ecuadorian tailor said he couldn't answer because he'd signed a confidentiality agreement. Now, I know I always make my tailor sign confidentiality agreements, but only when it comes to the question of how's it hanging. Justin Timberlake and I share a lot in common. While I've never revealed a bare breast on live TV, I have stood accused of mooning an entire audience at the end of a high school drama play. One day I'll tell that story. Back to the Justin Timberlake likenesses, though. Well, we do share initials, but I want to focus instead on our art. His first album, Justify, was a pun on his first name, just like my fake internet radio show, Joshin' Around. His second album, Future Sex Love Sounds, was a risque play on words, just like my second project in the works now, called Heavy Vetting. This is where I challenge a journalism student to listen to previous episodes of Josh and Around, and then ask me questions to find out something new. The third project by Justin Timberlake, The 2020 Experience, I hope my third project mirrors as well, and that would be A New Vision in 2020. This is where I run for political office using that slogan on bumper stickers as big as your bumper. And if I make it to a fourth project, well, to mirror a man of the woods, I'll simply be dude on the beach. Mankind has been fascinated with anything that mirrors his reflection since long before Narcissus knelt down beside a pond. Dating back to 6000 BC, artifacts prove that man has been crafting rough mirrors out of metal and stone that provided a crude representation of a reflection. But it wasn't until the late 1800s that mirror making got better and those reflections became more accurate. So the next time you see yourself in the mirror, remember this, you've never looked better. For that Justin Timberlake tour in 2013, he was known to take his shoes from the performance, autograph them, and then leave them somewhere in the city the next morning, posting only a picture to social media as a clue. Well, after that Miami show, my wife and I went to the beach the next morning, and there we sat when I scrolled through my Twitter feed and saw a picture of JT's Air Jordans, what I thought was just a few blocks away. So I said, honey, let's take a walk. I didn't want to explain that we were going to go on a wild shoes chase, but as we walked down the beach, I realized we were getting closer and closer. We needed to hurry. Now, here I am dragging my new wife, because this was our honeymoon, down South Beach, getting a light jog to a heavy sprint on. And just as we came to where I thought the shoes would be, there was one of the happiest teeny boppers I've ever seen holding this pair of red Air Jordans. There was an opinion piece published in the paper today penned by the CEO of a telecommunications company, Iridium, talking about the dangers of space debris. And while I'm sure that's all well and good, I want to focus on the company Iridium instead. Established by an idea in 1987 from the Motorola company to make communications better by using satellite phones, they spent $6 billion to put 66 satellites into the sky. Online in 1997, the first phone call was made from Vice President Al Gore to his wife Tipper, where I'm sure he said... Hey, Tipper, this is Al calling from space. But by 1997, we already had terrestrial phones that worked a lot better for a lot less. So the system was obsolete, went into bankruptcy, where private equity bought it for $35 million. The next thing you know, the satellite constellation received a government contract from the Department of Defense. 20 years later, the company's worth $1.4 
billion. They're being touted again as the next best thing because they're putting a next generation satellite constellation into the air. If you take your investment advice from a fake internet radio show, grab that stock ticker sign IRDM because they're poised to put this system online soon. As soon as they do, it'll already be obsolete. A big deal was made in 2011 when Justin Timberlake supposedly paid $35 million to acquire the social media network MySpace. To be more precise, though, it was the specific media group purchasing MySpace. Justin Timberlake was just a part of that group. Specific Media was then spun into a company called Viant, which is an advertising data company described as a globally scaled, people-based platform which sounds a little creepy. That company was then sold to Time Incorporated for a rumored $100 million. What was bought and sold? Well, apparently MySpace has the data on over a billion people. It did get sold again when Time was recently sold to the Meredith Publishing Company, a Midwest publisher of Better Homes and Gardens, among other things. So the next time it seems like Better Homes and Gardens is spying on you, it's probably true. And maybe that's why Justin Timberlake's become a man of the woods. He simply knows too much. If you knew where all the bodies were buried, you'd probably want to get back to a simpler time as well. For now, though, it's time to take back the night. I hope I didn't have you naked by the end of this show. If so, I pray you're not on live TV. Whether my space or yours, a river will run through it, and I hope to be there as we hunt for soul the next time we put a paddle down to start joshing around.